If you're wondering why I stood up so quick to come up here, I have limited time, and I have a lot of stuff to cover. I want to warn you, there are several scriptures that I am going to be speaking to you. I'll be teaching from the King James Version. And to speed it along, rather than you flipping through, which is, I'm delighted to hear the pages turn. I have them on the PowerPoint for you to follow along, if that helps you at all. But I encourage you, if you take notes, or if you brought an iPad that you like to type on like I normally do, please jot them down, take some notes along with it, and study them at home. Study what is said before the verse, and study what is said after the verse. And in between the verses, read the Word of God. One thing I want to encourage you on is to realize that all the scriptures of which I shall be quoting are from the Bible. That being said, these words are not mine. These words are not the words of a man. These words are from God. Be not fooled, be not deceived by what you might hear in the world. I was watching the news today, and during watching the news, I saw some articles about one of the denominational religions. This man had been they termed him as a bishop, which we can also term as one of our elders. And many years ago said that he was divorced from his husband. And I find it hard to understand how someone can read God's word and not realize that God teaches against that. My notes this morning are going to, or this evening, I'm sorry, are going to be talking about our heart. I know the screen is blank, uh, that's for a reason. Many things in this world, when they're exposed to the elements of the world, change. If you take a biscuit and you place it on top of a counter and you leave it there, I know grandma used to cover hers with a napkin or a towel and it stayed fresh for a long time. But if not properly cared for, the biscuit became hard and it was not good to eat. For those of you that don't understand hard water, now coming from the city water, you've got soft water. It's already been treated. Hard water coming from a well that many of us have grown up on is hard on clothing. It's hard when we take a bath because it has several minerals inside of it. That too was very rough on our bodies. And also you might remember any of you seen a tree out in the woods that has fallen and it stayed out there for a long time it became what we term as petrified that's pretty tough when you're trying to cut it with a chainsaw because normally it wrecks the blade and had you been able to get through it you threw it in a fire it was not good for the fire either it did not burn Many things in this world, when exposed to the elements of the world, become hardened. And the one that I want to speak about tonight is your heart. You and I have experienced the tragedy of a hardened heart. We've studied it in the Bible, whether you remember it or not, you have. 
I want to go over a few things on it. But you and I have to understand, first of all, that man has two hearts. We have one that we go thump, thump, that the doctor listens to, our physical heart. And we know some people that have had heart attacks, that heart hardens in those parts that are exposed or affected by the heart attack, and it no longer works properly. But you also have a spiritual heart. That spiritual heart controls your mind. It controls the center of your very being. Man, in these two hearts, if he does not protect this, is going to have difficulty. And I want to show you how important this heart is. Up behind me, you find Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the heart, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. And thus, the following story, the flood. And then we can also look at the book of Luke. The book of Luke, but when Jesus was perceived their thoughts, he answered and said unto them, Why reason ye in your hearts? He's not talking about the physical heart. He's talking to the Pharisees and to the doctors of law. They had seen Jesus heal the man. And now they were thinking about another man that was lowered down through the roof. You recall the story in, Matthew, in Luke chapter 5. When Jesus lowered him down, he said, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. And the doctors of law and Pharisees had said, they started to reason in their hearts, who is it that can forgive sins? And Jesus answered him with this, Why reason ye in your hearts? Is it easier to say thy sins be forgiven? Or take up thy coat and rise. You, can, you and I can go a little bit further. In John chapter 14, verse 1, John, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Here I want you to understand that the heart plays a very vital role in the decisions that you make. The decisions throughout the things in your lives and also concerning your salvation. Look at some more scriptures with me. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is when a lawyer had come up there and decided to tempt our Lord. Now, many of you that know me know that I went to two years of law school and I have a brother that's a lawyer, retired, and I have a brother that's a judge, a former lawyer. One thing that you learned in law school was never ask a question that you do not know the answer already. But this lawyer did not. And thus Jesus responded with this answer. But Jesus went a little bit further, and if you go through those scriptures, you will find out what else he said. I encourage you to read Matthew chapter 22. You and I can look at another example in the book of Acts chapter 2 and verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart They're, and said unto Peter, to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? We're going to cover 
Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 shortly. But I want, I'm trying to establish here and trying to get you to understand the importance of your spiritual heart. Here, these men, as Peter boldly stood up on the day of Pentecost, were pricked in their hearts at the words that they heard, just like you're hearing them today, God's word. Going again in Acts chapter 8, verse 36, talking about the eunuch. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That belief, that very thing that he has made his statement on, came from his spiritual heart. I believe with all my heart. You must understand the importance of your spiritual heart. The book of Romans, chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord, and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made. Going a little bit backwards in chapter 6 and verse 17, but God be thanked that ye were servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. God wants to prick your heart. God so loved the world, he gave you his son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God wants to prick your heart with his word. We have some examples in the Bible that are warning us against our heart being changed, or, as the topic's going, the hardened heart. Three times in the book of Hebrews, chapter 3, this is mentioned. In verse 8, harden not your hearts as in the provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness. You know, when Israel was wandering around and Israel started to wonder, even when Moses was up on Mount Sinai, they forgot the miracles that the Lord had perceived for them and their hearts were hardened. Also, in, chapter, in verse 13, but exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Now you're starting to see the effects of the elements of this world that was affecting the water, that was affecting the biscuit, that was affecting all the things around you. Each and every day of your life, you are exposed to elements of the world. Now look at verse 15. While it is said today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, is in the day of provocation. When you and I pick up the Bible and we read, you have to remember, you have to put it in the forefront of your mind, this is God speaking to me. Although he had a man pin the words, these are God's 
words. You and I must never lose sight of that. Now let's talk about the process of hardening the heart. It's not very difficult to understand. It's something that's very easy for you and I to go through. First, a person hears the word, such as you're doing right now from a preacher or from a teacher when Jeff was up here with the young men, the young people. Or you might listen to a friend, a track, a CD, or you might be watching a video on YouTube. Whatever the method might be, you are hearing the word of God. Secondly, that person has a choice. Either they can believe or they can deny. But you can't sit in the middle of it. You have a choice. If he does not believe the promises, nor the commands, nor the truth, thirdly, the heart starts to harden. When you turn your heart away from God, it's like being exposed to the elements of this world. You remember when we were talking in Hebrews about being exposed to sin and allowing sin to harden our hearts. That was in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 13. <sighs> Different things that can harden the heart that have effects on it. I've got listed here pride, false teaching, sin, disappointments, struggles in life, evil influences that we might have. And those evil influences surround us every day. You turn on the television and there you see it. Even the Hallmark Channel teaches sin. You've got to know what the Word of God says to see it. But if you don't know it, you're being deceived. And then you're being led astray. And you're believing something that is false. And then your heart starts to harden to the truth. I want you to listen to some words of the proverbial writer. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, keep thine heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Also in chapter 23, verse 12, apply thine heart unto instruction and thine ears to the word of knowledge. We are being encouraged to study it every moment. I know we read in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, study to show thyself approved. You and I have heard that all of our Christian life. But are you applying it? I encourage you to do so. In verse 19 of chapter 23, Hear thou my son and be wise, and guide thine heart in thy way. The choice is yours. The choice is no one else's. For you. You are the only one that can make that choice for you. Now, I'm not here trying to push you into a corner or to tell you that you've been living your life wrongly, not by any means. My job is to sow the seed of the kingdom. My job is merely to preach this word that I have in this Bible. You have heard this word preached thousands of times. It's nothing new. It's nothing that you have not heard before. My job is just to help remind you of what's in there. 
My job is to encourage you to dig deeper. When I'm studying and preparing for a sermon, I know Teresa wonders what I'm doing up there in my study. It's for hours and for days. I'm looking through things and studying and going back and cross-referencing. And even then, when I start reading about something, if I'm reading an article or research or a commentary, what someone else is saying, I get sucked into it. I know that's happened to you before. You start reading a bit of news or reading something and you get sucked into that thing. That's good when it's the Bible. It's very good when it's the Bible. It can be good for other things, but I encourage you to make sure the Bible is one of those things. Because it helps you to open your eyes to what the world is doing around you. The world is not going to change. The world has been here from the beginning of time. When we read about Genesis chapter 6, the world was continually, all the men were continually thinking about evil. And God destroyed the world, except for those eight souls. We have a compassionate God. We have a loving God. And whenever you see a rainbow, I get them in, in emails all the time. Just not too long ago when it started snowing. Oh, I, I have to share this with you. I retired effective last Friday. This past week, Monday through Friday, was my very first week of retirement. The Lord blessed me with a blanket of snow for the whole week. And you know how much I love snow. You've known me. I've been going here for over 40 years. You know I love snow, and I know it causes hardship on people, and I do not, do not wish anyone to get hurt. But I could think of nothing else. The Lord has blessed me with a white blanket. And I just looked outside, and I loved it the whole time. But one of the brethren at Flat Rock had sent me a picture on Monday, and he showed out in the back over his field a whole blanket of snow, and there was a double rainbow coming down through it. The promise that God had made that he would not destroy the world any longer by flood. It's important that you and I know that by flood. When we go a little bit further, I want you to look at some examples that I have researched, some that you are familiar with, even in some of the classes that you're going through, about individuals in the Bible that had allowed their hearts to be hardened. Exodus chapter 8, verse 15. When Pharaoh saw that there was respite, respite merely meaning pause, he hardened his heart and hardened and hearkened not unto them, as the Lord had said. The third plague had just come by. He had already turned the, the staff into a serpent. He had already changed the water, the river into blood. And now he brought on the flogs. And when Pharaoh had pleaded with Moses to take away the frogs, Moses did. And when Pharaoh saw there was respite, pause, he hardened his heart. Another example you and I might look at is in Nehemiah chapters 9, verse 16 through 17. They hardened their necks 
That's talking about the children of Israel going through the wilderness. King Saul, or wilderness, King Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verses 9 through 11, Saul turned his back from following the Lord. In verses 1, 2, and 3, the Lord spoke to Saul, and Saul wanted, they wanted, excuse me, wanted Samuel to destroy Amalekite, to destroy them utterly. And yet we find in verses 9 and 11 that Saul had saved King Agag. He'd saved some lambs. He saved some oxen. And he saved some sheep. And when Samuel came by, Samuel turned around and says, what is this bleeding that I hear? And that's when he determined, and he already knew, King Saul had failed to follow God's word. Another example, the apostles in Mark chapter 6, verse 52. Now you've got to understand, going through this chapter, in chapter 6 and verse 32, that there were some things that were taking place. Jesus had already performed some miracles. We find the Pharisees and the doctors of law were coming out and they were listening to Christ's teaching. And when the Jews had left, the Gentiles had asked them to stay around for another week and teach them again. And when the week had come up, and then when they all came out to hear the Apostle Paul and Barnabas, they turned around and they envy filled their hearts. They started contradicting the Jews, started contradicting everything that the apostles were teaching. And they started calling them blasphemers. So here, you can realize that they were considering not a miracle. But you go a little bit further. In this particular point, in verse 52, the miracle that was considered was the miracle of the loaves. Jesus had already performed some miracles. Jesus had told them to get into the ship. They moved on out. Jesus stayed on the shore. Then when the wind picked up and he saw them laboring, Jesus walked across the water and he was trying to walk by them, but they saw him and cried out. And when they cried out to him, Jesus said, be not afraid, it is I. And he came and got into the ship and then the wind ceased. And they were amazed that this man had such power, but yet they were the same ones that earlier in this chapter had witnessed him feed 5,000 men, let alone women and children, with two fish and five loaves. They had failed to consider the miracle of the loaves and it says, for their heart was hardened. Don't think that it's just someone that's out in the world that's never heard the word of God. It's people that were walking with Christ at that time. In the book of Acts, chapter 7, verse 51, ye stiff-necked and circumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do you. This was Stephen talking unto the Jews, the Pharisees, and the scribes, just prior to them stoning him. What about the tragedy of a heart that's hard? 
What do you miss? You miss opportunities, don't you, in life? Some of you might consider a business opportunity. Some of you might consider a friend or a networking opportunity. How many of you had you known 50 years ago, and I'm speaking to the older generation here, would have sunk money into Danny Evans' idea about growing a little gas station and calling it Cracker Barrel? missed opportunity. They come all the time in our lives. But how many of you can imagine yourself standing in front of God knowing that you missed the opportunity to confess Him and to listen to Him and obey His will? In the book of Acts, chapter 13, verse 46, then Paul and Barnabas waxed gold and bold and said, It is necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing ye put it far from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. This is what he was saying to the Pharisees and to the doctors of law that were speaking against him and calling him a blasphemer because they were envious of what the truths and of all the people that come out to hear them. Those that were interested in the word of God. You and I can look at some other examples. In the book of Hebrews chapter 6, listen to what the Hebrew writer says. For it is impossible for those who have once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the word to come, world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. Think about the words that are spoken here. To renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves. They're not nailing Christ to a cross again, as I used to always think. Think of the words in their own mind, in their own heart. They are crucifying Christ again and put him to an open shame. Heed the word of God. When you miss an opportunity, there could be a soul that is lost. I speak of this example multiple times. Back in the 1980s, there was a preacher that came to Holland Heights when it was over on Cumberland, or 231, I guess we call it. And the preacher's name was A.W. Chisholm. Some of you might remember him. I remember him speaking in a gospel meeting and he said, it's no wonder they're going to argue with you today. They're going to argue with God on the day of judgment. If you go to this verse and you look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23, you'll see what I'm talking about. That's what I'm encouraging you to do. Study to read these words. But they said unto him, Master, when did we hear you? 
Have we not done wonderful works in thy name and done many things? Jesus says, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Talking about the different denominations in the world, even the one that I saw earlier this morning on the news. Talking about a bishop who was married to another man who had talked about his divorce and he was still a preacher. The acceptance of sin into one's life and not doing anything about it is hardening their heart. That is what the book of Hebrews was talking about. There's a point when it's no return, that it's you start believing false teaching from all the things if you don't know what the truth is. You might have eternal regret. In Luke chapter 16, verse 25, Abraham said, Son, remember that in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, and now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. Lazarus and the rich man. You know the story well. That's what's going to happen in eternal judgment. But that teaches you something else that you need to remember. Oh, I don't want to go that far yet. When you and I think about that, we're going to miss that opportunity. And when we think about the Lazarus and the rich man, the last opportunity that they had and they lost it, they will regret it. But worse yet, they will never forget it. Can you see the rich man looking up and begging for forgiveness because he remembered those things? A good and honest heart will receive God's word. You know the, the story of the parable of the sowers. In verse 15 of Luke chapter, uh, of chapter 8, verse 15, but on that good ground are they which an honest heart and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. Jesus was explaining to them the truth of that example. I know I've taken up a little bit more time. That's why I tried to get through this quickly. The lesson is yours. This last page only brings unto you the invitation. James chapter 4, verse 7, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Remember, it was Jesus that said in Mark chapter 16, verse 16, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Many people say that's not fair, that's not important. Jesus is the one that said that. They're going to argue with God on the day of judgment. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. We read 9 and 10 a moment ago. Your faith comes by hearing. You also go you into all the world and preach the gospel. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Plug it in. But he that believeth not shall be damned. The choice is yours. 
It's up to you and I to make that choice for ourselves. Repentance of sin is spoke about in Acts chapter 17, verse 30, as well as in Luke chapter 13, verses 3 and 5. Romans chapter 9 and 10, we read that just a moment ago, but in Matthew 10, verse 32 and 33, read what Jesus has to say about it. You confess me, I'll confess you. You don't confess me, I won't confess you before my Father which art in heaven. It's simple. It's simple. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. When they stood up, they were pricked in their hearts. Peter stood up and told them to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and thou shalt receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. Be thou faithful unto death. We are told that we are going to suffer temptation, and I've got lessons about this all the time. Why is it that God watches us suffer? Why is it that God allows this? God tells you you are going to be tempted. God tells you you are going to be thrown into prison. God tells you all of this stuff is going to happen, but he tells you in the last part of it, be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20 and 22. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. The lesson's yours. I hope I've said something that can just prick your heart, cause you to study more, cause you to believe, cause you to confess unto him. If it's private in nature, confess to him. You don't need to confess that to me or to any other man. If it's public in nature, you need to repent publicly. But when you come forward, I don't want to know what it is. Neither do the elders, nor do anybody else in this congregation. Because I can't forget. God can. It's between you and God. But we'll pray with you that your sins may be forgiven by God. If you're here this evening, you're subject to the Lord's invitation, I plead with you, don't put it off. I don't know what else can be said. If you have a desire to study separately, please let it be known. And we'll study with you to help you, to let, to let you know more about God's word. But that choice has to come from you. Won't you come? As together as we stand.